Welcome to Some Would Say. Casual chats for curious people. Your weekly podcast hosted by us, Amelia Rose and Lara May, unpacking all things life from the arts to well-being, from work to play and hearing what others have to say. Has lockdown brought out the wine connoisseur in you? Or maybe a goon sack on the hills hoist is the extent of your wine knowledge. Either way, today's episode is going to be a grape time, pun intended. Filled with a couple of good drops of vino facts and a side of chicken crimpy shapes. We chat to Noah Ward, who is the South Australian sales and brand ambassador for Unicozilo. You'll learn the ultimate hangover cure, how you might be drinking fish guts and not even know it and how to get the best tasting experience out of your next drop. Noah, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Absolutely, my pleasure. And uh, the first question we ask all guests uh, when they come on, some would say, is if we were to take you on a night out, what is your DJ song request and why? And what would we order you to drink? Oh, geez. Yeah, it's such a it's such a potent question because, it, you know, it, so many variables. What time of the day is it? What What's the temperature? What's the vibe? <laughs> Which way is the sun setting? All that kind of thing. <laughs> it's uh, just the standard question. Yeah, let's just go gun to the head. I'd say, look, uh, maybe uh, dry martini, um, oh, and then off. maybe oh, can't tell me nothing by Kanye West. Let's do that. Oh, nice, nice. Like your style. Yeah, set the set the tone. I thought you might just like mention a wine variety yeah. just because like you might feel like you should but I'm glad that you didn't to be honest no, 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 no. yeah 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 it takes a lot of other great drinks to make good wine so you'll most ca- often catch winemakers not drinking wine oh there you go Hot yeah it's tip. either it's either shitty mid-strength beers or like um really basic classic cocktails that's that's really it <laughs> I love that that's amazing that's so funny well to kick things off could you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, a bit about your life so far and how you came to work for, you know, so it's Unico Zello. Is that right? Is that? Unico Zello. That's yeah. the one. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So if we're talking like proper Italian, it's Unico Zello, but we're in Australia and we're Australian <laughs> wine brand. So we call ourselves Unico. Unico Zello. Unico Zello. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stuff. I love it. Um, but yeah, quick little, quick little background on me. Uh, well, I basically um, grew up around Adelaide. Uh, my family is originally from the east coast of Australia, um, but we moved here when I was pretty young. Um, and after not re- after finishing high school and not really having a clear idea of what I wanted to do, and not so not doing so well on your HSC or whatever, um, fell into hospitality. Ended up really really enjoying hospitality. Um, and then started working at some really good restaurants and bars and stuff like that. And then, uh, a, a friend of mine recommended me for a position up at Unico Zello for just working in the cell at all. So that was, uh, literally four years ago. I think today, I think four years ago is when I first, um, started working for Unico. So it's a bit of an anniversary kind of thing, wow. uh, but initially started just, um, 
working in the cellar door, you know, a couple of days a week. And then by the February, the following year, I was managing it. Um, and then basically over the next period of time, I took into more of a marketing based role within the business. And now, uh, since we're kind of stuck in South Australia, we've decided to, um, really focus on South Australian based distribution and selling to wine bars, bottle shops, restaurants, and stuff like that. So now I'm heading up that kind of, uh, growth of the business in our own state, because most, for most of our kind of business operation, we've been really successful on the East coast, but haven't had that much of a strong fan base where we are. So that's what we're really focusing on at the minute. Wow, it's like a bit of a blessing in disguise. Like now you can really hone in on your your home area, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's great. It's really good to be able to see what our neighbours think of us rather than <laughs> um, a bottle shop in far far northern Queensland. <laughs> yeah, um, like us, us Queenslanders. <laughs> well, we you you already know that uh, the East Coasters love it. Lockdown, um, lockdown helped. Yeah, it was one of our kind of um, strong suits, I reckon, last year is just being able to supply plenty of booze to wreck to people's doors. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was great. We had a, gained a lot of new uh, supporters of the brand, which is awesome. Ah, that's so cool. So good. It sounds like you're quite the veteran of uh, Unico Zillow, having worked there for four so, years yeah. now. <laughs> um, and so tell seen, us- I've seen some shit. Yeah. Tell us about how Unicozillo itself came to be. Um, What's the backstory? How long has it been around itself? I think we're almost at the 10-year mark. Um, So basically this was started by Brendan and Laura Carter. Uh, So Brendan has a background basically growing up in uh, Brisbane. And then basically he dropped out of a law degree because he didn't want to be a lawyer. And then at the time I was working in a bottle shop and then went to Champagne and did a vintage at Verve Clicquot and was stoked on it. So then the natural thing is, all right, I'm going to move to Adelaide and do a wine degree. So he did that. And then while studying the degree, he, he met Laura, who was studying agriculture, who was more focused and interested in particular sustainable agriculture. They met in the corresponding classes that those two degrees have. Love was found, all that kind <laughs> of thing. Uh, and so eventually they um kind of switched interests laura became really fascinated with winemaking um after a few trips to italy after brennan won a scholarship um to go i think it's the len evans scholarship which is he was the youngest ever recipient of that award which got him to go to um italy and do vintages and meet a whole bunch of winemakers and stuff like that uh laura was invited on that trip and instantly became kind of enamored with uh wine and the relationship with local communities and growers and all that kind of thing. And so she then went down the path to become a winemaker. So worked with Henschke um, and was in the cellar there. And Brennan was also working for an established winery based in South Australia called SC Pinnell. Uh, but at that same time, they were starting this little wine project uh, with small batches of Fiano and Nero Dabla and some Nebbiolo from around South Australia, from the Riverland and the Adelaide Hills. Uh, and released really, really tiny amounts of those wines. And the trade really lapped it up and was really successful. A whole bunch of people were really um, kind and said a lot of great things about the products. Uh, so they eventually left their current jobs and then focused full-time on Unicozello. Laura turned down assistant winemaker at Henschke, which is a huge job. And then um, Brennan turned down working with uh, Steve Panel and probably being being able to go up the ranks in that particular organization. So they focused all on a Unico Zello and then they've just committed to this thing for the last six or seven years. And we've gone from strength to strength because of it. Wow. That's so impressive. What a tale. Pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah they're, yeah. they're pretty inspiring and, you know, wonderful people to work for. 
Amazing. I didn't realize it had been around for so long. Like it, it just shows you how much um, time and work goes into building up a brand and getting it out there. Hey. Yeah. Look, I mean, like, I think it's, it's all about the hard yards you put it, the, put in at the beginning like, and they put in the grunt work whilst they were doing these other jobs, like literally having two or three jobs at a time to, you know, to build up enough money to actually dive into this little business. And then, yeah, you know, there's plenty, just plenty luck and uh, a lot of, you know, fortuitous things happening, but overall it's just like they've, they've really knuckled down and sleepless nights and, you know, all that kind of thing. And you mentioned before, so you have been part of the business for four years um, and we did a little bit of stalking. We have seen that you have changed roles a couple of times. So currently, (laughs) (laughs) currently you're the wine sales and brand ambassador for South Australia. Is that correct? Spot on. Yeah, perfect. Well, can you take us through your role? Is it literally just like you're enjoying wine 24-7? (laughs) Um, and do you also have a favorite wine that you could recommend? Oh yeah, for sure. That, that I definitely do have the answer to. Uh, no, it's not, uh, unfortunately drinking wine and enjoying wine 24 seven. That would be the dream. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, mostly it's my, my job is to go out to bars, bottle shops, restaurants, and just show the wine and see if people are interested and, you know, basically get our brand, uh, exposed in South Australia, uh, alongside doing a bit more brand advocacy work for the business, which is, you know, stuff like this. And then also going on and we've got a YouTube channel called wine for the people, which we're doing some really interesting, uh, funky stuff there. Uh, and then also working with the, the team that we have here to really build and expand on the brand and the, the strategies and stuff that we already have. But basically it's just getting as much wine into people's mouths as humanly possible. And then a little <laughs> bit of interstate, um, interstate travel and like showcasing the wine around the, the other parts of Australia whenever that's possible. Yeah. Whenever you can. I'm, I'm itching. I'm desperate to get it out there. Um, but as far as a favorite wine, uh, we'll, we'll do two. We'll do one from Unico and we'll do one from not Unico. Uh, at the minute, there is a wine which we've been making for a few years now called River Sand, which is a Fiano, which is our kind of white variety of choice. Uh, it's completely dry grown and organically farmed in the Riverlands, which is a region that is mostly known for bulk irrigation and huge amounts of wine put into uh, silver bags inside boxes in quite large volumes for low prices, uh, often ha- hung on hills hoists. Um, but we've got a good question about that coming up. With, Sorry? I said we've got another good question about one of those uh, products in particular later down the track. <laughs> Sick, yeah. I, I can't, can't get away from it. It's the best. Um, but basically, yeah, our, our goal is a, as a winery is to try to reduce the amount of irrigation and water that's used in the Riverland. The Australian wine industry uses upwards of 400 billion litres of water every year. Uh, so basically our goal is to promote varieties that we think are more sustainable and can grow in the hottest of climates in the world without irrigation at all. So river sand is a perfect component of that, which is, you know, dry farmed, zero uh, organics. So no pesticides or herbicides or anything like that. Um, and made in a really lean, drinkable, like fantastic wine. It's absolutely fantastic. So big fan of that. But outside of Unicozella, I'm a big fan of a variety called Chenin Blanc, which is uh, French. So kind of a little bit off to the wayside because I find myself craving not Unico wines when I'm not working for Unico. Uh, So yeah, there's some great Loire Valley producers um, that I really, really enjoy. Just give me one sec. I forgot to plug my computer in. (laughs) 
and it just popped up with it's about to die. So the beauty of a podcast, we can oh, no. please the beauty of a podcast, we can edit this pit out. <laughs> keep it in. I like it. Keep yeah, it rugged and yeah, raw. Yeah, yeah. Keep it real. So Noah, being avid wine drinkers ourselves, we'd love to know mm-hmm. what are we actually looking for when judging a wine. <laughs> yeah, it's looking for the hacks is always handy. Um, f- first and foremost is like drink what you want. Like that's that's always the the first thing. Is like I, I have been known to say positive things about stuff like Barossa Shiraz and Pepper Jack and cheap cheap mid mid priced you know uh, classic australian wine i think it's great um but i think the thing you're looking for most of all for like a really good wine is just making sure everything's in balance whether if you've got if you've got like high levels of acidity uh you want it to be you know first of all served cold and but you want it to have enough fruit enough kind of citrus to to really make it a delicious wine or if you've got like a really big, dense, like traditional Australian, like Shiraz or Cabernet or something like that. You don't want it to be so oaky and uh, low acid that it tastes like soup. You need a little bit more (laughs) tannin or acid or anything like that, just to make it a little bit more palatable. Like there can be, there's a wide range of wine styles, but most importantly, like making sure everything's in balance is the most crucial thing. Yeah. Cool. One of my friends, um, shit, do you deal much with Witch's um, Winery on Tambourine Mountain? Uh, we, I think we have probably like spoken to them in past. I know they do a lot of alternative varieties up there. I think they do some Fiano and stuff like that. Yeah. One of my friends works there and she actually probably is in a similar role to what you are um, at Unico. And she was saying when you swoosh the red wine around and like, What's it called? The legs or something? However, the legs, yeah. However long it takes. I don't know. Something to do with viscose. I clearly didn't listen very well. <laughs> it was something to do with yeah, viscosity. Like, yeah, cool. Can I just drink the wine now? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> I was like, great, babe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like that kind of stuff. It, like, it it helps identify things like high alcohol and uh, sweetness and stuff like that. But I mean. I don't, I don't think about that too much when I'm drinking a glass of wine. I'm just like, oh, this is yummy. Oh, this is not <laughs> yummy. That's that's the kind of two things I'm thinking about. Can you tell us any wine facts? I know you spoke um, about the <laughs> irrigation and also that Unico mm. offers um, organic wines. Can you talk to mm-hmm. us about any wine facts that tend to blow people's minds? I think like your average punter is probably just the amount of stuff that goes into like your average wine on a bottle shop. Like it's, it's like, of course the number one most spoken thing is probably sulfur because a lot of people have allergies to sulfur. Um, but it's the amount of things in big bags that get added to big commercial wineries is pretty spectacular. Like tartaric acid or fining agents like bentonite clay, which we use oh, a little wow. bit of because it's the best vegan-based finer. Um, wow. But like, yeah, like fish guts or milk. Milk is the craziest one to me. I've been, I've spoken to winemakers from McLaren Vale that like find color and bits out of their wine with just milk. And they've just gone, yeah, we just went down to the general store and bought like, you know, eight gallons of milk and just like pour it in, find everything out. And no yeah, way. and it's like, it, it gives wine a lot of texture. Oh, Wow. That's crazy. 
And what what about fish guts? Yeah. What are they used for? <laughs> I don't know if I want to know the answer to this. <laughs> yeah, th- those are used a lot. Like um, it's a fining agent. So most of like the weird like non-vegan things used in wine, uh, basically to get all of the bits and color out of it, right. um, which is being less and less used as we've kind of invented a lot a lot of sterile filtration, uh, which is mechanical and stuff like that. But um, yeah, most of your weird stuff gets used to take out your sediment and haziness and all that kind of thing. Yeah, but okay. yeah, I think fish guts is the weirdest one for me. I like I, there was a story of there's uh, there was a I think it's um, James Maynard Keenan from Tool, like the 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 metal band. Um, he was making wine. He's done a few wine projects, but I think he would made wine somewhere else i might be mistaking this for somebody else but he was making wine and someone told him that it was going to be vegan so they he literally was like fuck it i'm putting fish blood in it to make it not vegan (gasps) it's like some people take it that hardcore that it's hilarious oh my gosh and i've heard that there's egg in wines like is is that used for the same sort of purpose yeah egg whites are a really good uh, finding infiltration agent uh, uh, like as well but i'd hate to be a winemaker just literally it's like first thing in the morning here's like you know 20 crates of eggs and you just got to crack them <gasps> get, separate oh. the yolks <laughs> that oh would be torture That's some kind of hazing ritual <laughs> oh, i'm just gonna remain blissfully ignorant to that thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll tell you what, like the vintage dinner with like a whole bunch of egg yolk pasta that night would be pretty sick but that yeah other than that no good <laughs> This might be a really dumb question, but like how do wines, how did wines get their different like colours and you know how some are lighter than others, some are darker. I know grape, different grape varieties are involved, but how does one go from one end of the spectrum to the other in colour wise and all that? Oh yeah, well there's there's a range of factors, but probably the most important is uh, skin contact um, depending on your grape variety because you've got white grape varieties you've got um black or red grape varieties um and then you've got gray grapes there's a specific <laughs> subgenre which is you know like pinot gris and um, gewurztraminer and stuff like that which are technically in this kind of gray category mm. um but if you have like a really light white wine um that has been pressed without any skin contact so basically you, they've extracted the juice from that grape as quickly as possible but if you have like some really deeper rich kind of yellow colors or um even orange wine of course which we're well known for with esoteric and all that kind of thing that's interacting the juice that's inside the berries with the skins themselves to which gives tannin and a bit of structure but it also imparts color so when you have like really really deep rich red wines they're probably made with grape varieties that have got pretty thick skins and have spent a long time integrating with the juice itself. Um, but, and in the inverse with rosé, like it's like, you can be pressed, pressed off red grapes immediately that might look as crystal clear as humanly possible with that, like light tinge of pink. Um, that's, that's a, a major factor there, but a lot some other times people add color. Um, and there's like cold stabilizing agents that people use to, um, keep the grapes cold, cold while it's fermenting to extract even more color. So, mostly it's skins wow that's mm. so interesting genuinely I was yeah like, oh. <laughs> yeah that is so it's, interesting it's a genuine paint palette i think it's really cool like you know having this in if you go to like a wine tasting and you see like a like a light white a deeper white an orange a pink uh, a light red a heavy red it looks it, it looks fantastic mm, yeah definitely and i really taste even better <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really like the pet gnats um how do you make that kind of color 
Or yeah, well, again, that's that's super dependent. Like a, like some kind of pink pet nap kind yeah. of thing. It generally has like light uh, maceration of red wines, so light skin contact. Um, but yeah, you don't really see too many densely extracted uh, pet nats, but that kind of light blush is just from probably like four to five days of skin contact uh, and then pressed off and then re-fermented with some, or, or you can actually back blend it with um, juice from another grape variety to re-ferment it. So a lot of people make like a, a white, a white still based white wine and then get red wines in later in vintage that has a little bit more skin contact. Um, press that off so it's literally just unfermented juice and put that in the still white wine so it ends up coming out this rosé colour and that also kicks off the natural ferment in your pet nat and then it's bottled that way to, to get this really cool little blush sparkly number and most of the time they're outrageously tasty. And here we are just running down to the bottle though to grab a... <laughs> yeah, I know, when there's so much like process that goes into it. Well, for yeah, it's it's most it's mostly just like lifting heavy things around and making sure everything's clean. <laughs> that's, I love that. That's most of winemaking. <laughs> oh, sounds a bit like hospitality. We've served our time in hospo as well, and yeah, yeah that's sounds... exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, like, that's why so many people from hospo are like, I, I want to do this, but without customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go true. make wine. Yeah. <laughs> Killing the romantic illusion <laughs> one conversation at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, for everyone in lockdown, what is your ultimate meal slash wine combo? Oh, shit. Um, I, I really like uncouth, like really weird uh, matches of food and wine. Um, like, you know, a, a spag bowl and a Sangiovese is, you know, it's always a winner. It's delicious. It's great. Uh, but I always like, I, I like going from like the massive contrast. So you spend a bunch of money on like a really nice bottle of wine and then you've just got like a cheap meal or even just a snack. So my all time favorite pairing is like good quality Chardonnay, like Burgundy, like French Chardonnay with shaped chicken crimpies. Good at chicken not, crimpies though. <laughs> like actually it's the ar- best. Like, ar- arguably the best shape. Like like I don't know how we can finally decide <laughs> what is the best shape flavor, but I reckon chicken crimpies are far and away up there. You don't uh, have to ask us twice. Mate, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> we thought so we'd never next, meet no. our third match. Like <laughs> oh, so well, you funny. bring the chicken crimpies, I'll bring the Chardonnay, we're all good. We'll yes. have a great time. When we're out of this I'm in the woolen bar, we're gonna have a great time. Yep. Totally. 100%. When we're out of this shit show, let's all meet up for a chicken yeah. crimpy and a Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah. great. Oh, yes. That's, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So absolutely. Chicken crimpy is a Chardonnay, but the best thing to do is like l- let the chicken crimpy sit in your mouth a little bit longer before you start chewing it. So you, your tongue really absorbs all that MSG <laughs> and chicken salt. <laughs> then wash it down with some Chardonnay. You'll have an absolute <laughs> full time. What a flavor oh. sensation. I actually, I don't think I can drink Chardonnay. So back in the day when I was like first started to get into wines, I would love yeah. an Oyster Bay Sav Blanc. And I have just, oh, yeah. just, the best. oh my gosh, I've killed my like love for it though. I can't stand white wine anymore. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So I'll have to try it with a chicken crimpy. Yeah, I- <laughs> Oh yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Just get like some kind of like moderately priced Chardonnay. That's from like, you've got that. Uh, what's the bottle shop down your way? Is it, um, uh, oh, what's that really good bottle shop in the Bar? I can't remember the name of it. Oh. Um, Quince, Quince from Marjorie. 
Um, yes, I have actually heard of for that. A, sorry? I said I have actually heard. I think it's in Palm Beach, is it? Or Corumban? It, it might have only came about since we left what? the area. Yeah. Yeah, it might be Corumban. It might be Corumban. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, pop in there and ask for just, like, a good moderately priced, like, kind of hands-off Chardonnay and get a box of chicken crimpies you'll be on. <laughs> Oh, so good. So, so good. Uh, So working with wines, Noah, surely you've had a few hangovers in your lifetime. Do do you have a bulletproof hangover cure? Uh, Bulletproof is... Like probably a, a, a loose term. It's it's like there's sometimes there's a hangover that can't be beaten. Mm. You know, sometimes no matter what uh, you do, no matter what strategy you have in place, you've just had a bit too much, and you just you just got to accept your fate. <laughs> um, but overall, for me, if you if I'm playing it smart, it's a couple of Panadol before bed, and it's a couple of Panadol as soon as I wake up. Um, and then, of course, Barocca is the absolute handyman of, mm. all, of all things. But as far as, a food, as food goes, uh, I, I, I love spicy noodles. Just like it literally make me think about something else that's not the pounding headache <laughs> and the nausea that I'm feeling. So just like spicy noodles, probably without broth because you don't want to have too much liquid. So mm. like some spicy kind of Chinese noodles is the way to go nice. for sure. Oh, Let's injure go. ourselves more yeah. and forget about the pain it's, in our head. Yeah, exactly. It's it's forgetting about the other pain. Yeah. It's forgetting thinking about a new pain that's also delicious, mm. and um, I guess also sweating out the toxins, sweating <laughs> out the bad decisions of last night. It's a double whammy. Oh, mine, a- mine is a um, hydrolyte. I can't do the barocca. I don't know what it is. Barocca just reminds me of I don't know something. So yeah, mine's hydrolyte before bed and then a hydrolyte when I wake up. Perfect. So You'll good. Be, yeah. Yeah, I think I need to get on the hydrolytes for sure. I haven't I haven't done it enough, but Barocca works enough. So I think I, I feel like hydrolytes are probably just like a more concentrated, effective version. Mm, but yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the brand of Barocca. I like it. <laughs> like I, I, I love the uh, comparison. Love it. Speaking of like headaches, etc., mm-hmm. is there anything we can do when we're choosing a wine to avoid the next day headache that comes with it? Um, in, in a general sense, no. Like <laughs> uh, like a lot of the um, kind of minimal intervention natural wine movement has, a lot of people have spoken about, oh, it doesn't give you a hangover. You haven't drunken enough if it doesn't give you a hangover. It, there's no, there's no, no matter what is that it will give you a hangover, but that being said, it's probably more likely if you have it in moderate amounts that you will not have like that really dehydrated headache because it does have the uh, lower amount of sulfur, which is basically uh, it dehydrates you and it gives you a massive headache. Um, like we don't have, we don't like, I think all wineries don't use too much, um, but like hands off minimal intervention producers from good bottle shops will probably steer you in the right direction of not having that one glass of um, Kunawara Cabernet and a migraine. Um, you can probably share a bottle of like a, a light Adelaide Hills Pinot Noir with a friend and you'll probably feel fine the next day. Mm-hmm. Good to know. So it's a bit of a myth, you reckon, the old myth busters. It's, it, it's, a, it's a myth. It's 100% a myth. And, I, uh, yeah, I think the idea of um, marketing like natural or minimal interve- intervention wine as a health product is a bit of a um, <laughs> risky slope to go down because alcohol <laughs> bad for people in excessive amounts. Um, so I think making sure that we're not 
uh, spouting myths like that is uh, probably a positive thing. Yeah, totally. Um, you know when people make or when people, I guess, judge wines and they make that slurping sound? <laughs> what is that and why are they doing it? Yeah, so that's um, – it's basically aerating the wine. So, <laughs> yeah, it's – it's always a thing I got to catch myself on when I'm in non-wine company. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if someone pours like a glass of wine, I'll, I'll naturally do it, just make that sound. And then a whole bunch of people just look at me with raised eyebrows like, oh, that's right. I'm not around <laughs> colleagues at a, at a tasting or anything like that. I Everyone thinks I'm a snob. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, basically that aerates the wine. It's the same thing with like giving it a, a swirl. So swirling, if you've got like a really closed, um, probably some, a wine that has a bit of tannin um, or a bit of oak in it, like it actually allows a lot of those flavors to open up and integrate with the wine. So along with swirling it, it's basically doing that inside your mouth. And it also like fans across your entire tongue and your palate so you can kind of taste every inch of the wine. There you go. There you bloody go. <laughs> but avoid, avoid looking like me in a complete fool in front of people at a party if, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's not absolutely necessary. If you're not trying to buy for a restaurant or study for an exam, just drink the wine. <laughs> so don't do it this Friday night. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely don't go to the pub and have a glass of Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc and start slurping. It's like, oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> goes on, goes no, on I mean, a wine save tasting. Save it for the right occasions. Does one wine tasting and then like is a connoisseur. Is a connoisseur. That was me. Like I've I've probably been on two, maybe three wine wine tastings in my life, and you know they teach you the techniques. Um, and yeah. so like you just, I told myself, oh, I'm never drinking wine diff- like the same again. You know, I'm gonna use all those techniques, and everyone's gonna think I'm really cool. And then you just you like do it the two times after and then you give up. You're like, nah, not doing this anymore. <laughs> nah, I don't want to look like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> Who like do I that. think I am? Um, so what have you got coming up, uh, Noah? What's Unicozilla got coming up that people listening should be aware of? Any goals in the pipeline? Oof. Um, at the moment, uh, I think we're just kind of getting everything into bottle. So uh, 21, 2021 vintage is done and we're about to – take everything out of tank and barrel and put it in bottle and uh, get it onto the market. So we've done most of our like major releases for the, for the year, but we've got a couple of things coming out like wines, like truffle hand that people really like it are on the move. Um, we've got a big new brand announcement coming in the next couple of weeks um, based around uh, our little side project harvest, which is working with um, growers in the Adelaide Hills to, to offer more financial support. So we've got a big, Big announcement coming with that really soon, and I think a lot of people are going to be stoked about what, what's coming with with those wines. Um, but honestly, yeah, it's basically just like getting everything out of tank into bottle onto market, uh, and then chilling over Christmas, and then gearing up for a massive twenty twenty two harvest. And hopefully, we can implement some really cool, fun wine things uh, next year. And I think we've got we've already spoken about a few big changes to some of the wines. Um, not massive, but like a few things that might, might make them a little bit better. Um, we're, tr- we're looking at purchasing a vineyard Ooh. in the near future, which would be amazing. Uh, but of course, vineyards are outrageously expensive. Yeah. Next level. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We're really excited about uh, getting something like that uh, under our belts because 
At the moment, we don't really have a massive control over our farming program, but we're lucky that most of our growers are fantastic farmers and do a really, really great job. But there's a few like philosophical things that we'd love to implement into a vineyard, but not force a key grower of ours to basically change their entire business model to suit our needs. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to kind of do is, you know, get a small plot of land somewhere uh, and then we can start mucking around with some really creative um, and interesting progressive uh, farming techniques, which would be really fun. How exciting. Well, Noah, we love to end our chats with a little bit of fun. And we thought we do, we normally play a game called Would You Rather, which is the game that we're going to play because it is 10 a.m. Otherwise, we would have played Say It (laughs) or Sip It. (laughs) We thought better not, 10 a.m. could be risky. Yeah, I still need my third coffee for the morning. So we have a bunch of questions which you haven't seen and we're going to answer, we're going to ask you them in a would you rather format. And so the first question is, would you rather drink from a goon sack all night or drink cruises all night? (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Shit. Um, Or uh, I'm going to say cruises. Um, only if I can inter- interchange flavors. Like if, I, if I'm stuck with one flavor of cruises all night, no good. Uh, but if it's one goon bag, yeah, I think I'll struggle. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. You can I, interchange honestly, no flavors. Shame. Guavas cruises are the, are the shit. They're delicious in small doses. Guava cruiser, chicken cribby shape. You're loving, loving life. Oh, get me started. Combo of champions. Oh, I feel 19 again. okay question number two would you rather be the first person to explore a planet or the inventor of a drug that cures a deadly disease uh drug that cures deadly disease hands down oh what a guy what a guy (laughs) yeah we've got enough problems to figure out on earth (laughs) not not look for new planets planets (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, question number three. Would you rather move to a new city every week or never be able to leave the city you were born in? Oh, give me a new city every week. Uh, I I was also born in Townsville, so, yeah, get me out of Townsville, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a new city every week as well, coming from Barringbar and Moolumbar. (laughs) Sorry, but don't want to be there forever. Well, you you guys have to go to a different city every week, every day pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep it exciting. Keep it spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music or forced to sing along? Oh, damn. Damn. Neither of those are good options. Hey? <laughs> um, uh, I, I reckon I'd probably have to say uh, I'm, I'm going to go dance. I'm going to go dance. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a massive dancer, but I'll, I'll take dance there. I feel like dance, you can hide a little bit. Like it could just be like a little shuffle of the feet or like, you know, you really, really got to think. I'm just doing the moonwalk at the desk. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Noah. And for everyone listening, where can they find you and Unicozello? Uh, Facebook and Instagram, always the way. Um, so for, for Unicozello, it's at Unicozello. Uh, we have a YouTube channel for Unicozello, which we're doing some uh, fun stuff. We're uploading a few videos a week, which are 
like uh, we're doing blind tastings online, which was really fun. Cool. Um, and then basically there is a few like wine education, wine chat kind of things that we do every other, every other time. Every now and then we up a new video. So that's really cool to follow. Uh, but if you want to, you know, follow me and see what other weird stuff I'm drinking on Instagram, uh, it's at ArcGram. So Noah, Noah's Ark. Um, oh. Graham, of course. Yeah. And uh, and we'll play. just we'll Word just drop play. his uh, love that we'll just drop his Snapchat details below as well in the in the show notes. You know how he's just <laughs> all of the above, all the personal deets. No, yeah, exactly. No, thank you so much. We've um, we've learned so much today, and I'm sure our guests will um, will learn a lot too. So cheers. No worries. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to today's chat. If you loved what we had to say, hit subscribe, leave us a review and find us on Instagram at some would say podcast. Talk then.